Let me step in for someone in need. So let, let's go for that. Okay, now we came on. Good. All right, well, let me just pray and I just um, invite the Lord uh, during this time to continue to do what he wants to do in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Thank you for uh, just coming to our, our neck of the woods, so to speak, our, our context, our reality, and making yourself vulnerable. And thank you, Lord, that uh, when we go through things in life, um, uh, you can say, I, I understand. And it has uh, such a depth of meaning because you went through all the stuff that we could go through. Uh, you've gone through something similar. And so, Lord, uh, during this time, we just ask that you would uh, quicken our hearts, God. Um, I don't want this to be simply a, a presentation of a nice trip. But rather, God, what I really desire is that you would speak to our hearts about anything that, that uh, is important that you want to get across in our hearts, oh God. And Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us at this time. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, as um, Andy said, uh, I went to... I just came back from Cuba about two and a half weeks ago. Well, Tuesday will be three weeks. And um, uh, God has called me to, to be involved in missions uh, for a number of years, about 13 years. I've been involved in missions to Puerto Rico. Uh, and, uh, and then a couple years ago, the Lord said, I want you to expand that, and I want you to go to Cuba. Uh, and then the Lord just made the way, and, and through your help with your prayers and, and and finances, uh, I was able to do what God had called me to do. I want to thank God for my wife, who has been very supportive all the way through in, in uh, these endeavors. And there are times that I have uh, left her, uh, and she wasn't feeling well. Uh, but she said, just go. Don't worry about me. God will provide. God will take care of me. And just go. And so uh, it makes a difference. It really makes a difference when your spouse is for you in your corner. It makes all the difference in the world. So thank you, honey, uh, for your help and your support. Um, when we, um, when we, I was asked to share about this uh, this morning, I, I thought, well, what, what scripture uh, really helps me to do what, what it, or, or, what scripture is the foundation through which I do what it is that I do? And I think that in life, as we go forward, yeah, even, you, you know, I mean, you might say, well, I'm, I'm not going to the nations or I'm not doing this. But everyone here, I believe that God has some scripture for you that helps you to move you to do his will in your life. And so I'm going to read uh, some scripture that that was really impactful in my life. Uh, and since we're in Mark, I mean, there are several scriptures, but this one I think is really powerful. And from Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Um, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. I was just thinking about the baptism. It's time for another baptism. Uh, we just need for people to get saved and, and say, yeah, I want to get baptized. And so, um, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. I sometimes, when I take people in groups, I pray that God gives them another language called Spanish. And I said, may, may the Lord give you tongues, Spanish, tongues. And, uh, and some people have actually understood better at, during the trip than before. Um, they will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, they won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. 
And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said, what they said by many miraculous signs. Um, that this is the scripture, one of several scriptures that that motivates me, that in a sense pushes me, uh, inspires me to do what it is that God has called us to do. And, uh, and let me just leave you, if, if you don't remember anything else about this morning, at, at least remember this one thing, because this is the central part of what it is that I want to share with you today, and that is that Jesus Christ is the reason and power of Christian mission. Anything else that we talk about has to boil down to that reality. Jesus Christ is the reason and the purpose of Christian mission. A lot of mission is done in the world. There are a lot of organizations that are doing really good stuff. Uh, but they're not necessarily Christian mission. And they may not have Jesus Christ as a center of their focus. Are they good stuff that are being done? Amen. That's awesome. But I will say that for us, uh, that we believe that Jesus Christ, I mean, he's got to be at the heart of the whole thing of what's going on. And that is what is pushing us. So when, when I saw uh, Christ and, and the series that, that uh, Andy has started, um, and that's where it's at, man. It's just Jesus Christ. It, it's got to be at the center of everything. Um, if he isn't, then it's just some good stuff that's being done. But it's not, uh, it's not life-giving necessarily. It's not eternal, you know. And so that's what we want, right? We want to be involved in something that is eternal, that outlasts us, see. Um, and so we could do a lot of great things, um, but Jesus is the reason, and so when I read the scripture, I was thinking about it. And I said, well, the first thing that captures my mind, by the way, in a while I'm going to show you some slides, uh, but I just want to share with you kind of a few things to set the foundation for what it is that I'm going to share with you. Um, when I read this statement, um, is, is that statement still up? Can you put that, that passage up there again? Because uh, I just want to point to a, a, one of the key words in, in that statement, in Mark, um, the, key, the key word is go. There are a lot of great things that are going to happen in these, within these four walls. Uh, God is going to minister to you. God is going to reveal some things to you. Uh, God is going to touch your heart. Um, and, and a lot of times uh, what will happen is, and they've even done studies on this, is that you sit at a certain place, and God touched you there, and so we have a tendency as human beings to go back to that one place that we were touched by God, and, and that's where we sit. So when you come into church, okay, she's sitting there, she always sits there, he sits there, he always sits there, and you know, like, why? Is it because we're creatures of habit? That may be part of it, but really what, what it is is that uh, oftentimes, it's that God met you, did something in your heart, changed your heart, changed your mind, uh, met you in a powerful way, and that was the place. So we kind of tend to want to go back to that place uh, because we want God to touch us again. We want him to speak to us again. And that's important, and that's powerful. But I will tell you that a key word of this passage that Jesus left the disciples is Go. And at some point, Christian mission is about, about us walking through those doors into our world and impacting the world with the, the, the message and the demonstration, because I think those two are together, the message and demonstration of the reality of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done in your life. And so go is a key word. And what do we do when we go? We go to have lunch on Sunday and, you know, spend time with our friends. That's, that's, we, we try to do that a lot, too. You know, but, it's, of course, we know it's more than that. Um, when we go, is we go to preach the good news. 
And when we say preach, there's an element of it is that it's uh, verbal, right? We, we share what is the good news. Uh, of course, we have to understand, well, what is the good news? Well, what is the good news to you, the good news to me? Well, one of the ways I look at the good news is the kingdom of God has come, has broken through, as Derek Morphew would say, has broken through into this world. God's purposes is being done, and Jesus Christ is the king of this kingdom, and he's come to save us. And as John 10, 10 says, he has come, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what he, that's great news. And, and in a world that is uh, fractured, that is struggling, that is hurting, maybe even you today are, are going through struggles, are going through difficulties, are going through hurt and pain that Jesus has said to you, his message to you is, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's good news. I don't care what culture you're from. I don't care what ethnicity you're from, uh, what country, what region. It's good news to hear that he has come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. That's great news. Now, what does abundant mean? Well, that could mean a, a lot of different things in a lot of different cultures. You know, um, I was telling my grandchildren, we were having, uh, we were saying grace over a meal, and... Uh, and I, and I said, you know, it's always important to say grace, uh, if, you know, if we're, uh, during the meals. And my granddaughter, and, you know, she's very young child, and she said, uh, wh why? why? Why do we need to do this? I said, it's always good to, it's important to be grateful to God for what we have. I said, did you know that there are children in this world that eat once a day? One time a day. That's their meal. And, and she said, well, we eat three times a day. I said, that is awesome. So we give thanks to God for that. But you know what? The child that eats once a day that knows Jesus, give thanks to for that one meal. Um, and so uh, Jesus Christ, the Lord has come. He is, as a professor of mine would say, he's the synchronon of Christian mission. What does that mean? He is the essence of Christian mission, of anything that we do, any project that we embark on, uh, embark on, Jesus Christ must be at the center of that, okay? Um, and not only declaring the good news, but living the good news, because there are some people that are really good about telling you what to do, but their lives are such that it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's like, even Jesus said of the Pharisees, you know what, just do as they say, but don't do as they do. Okay, um, and so it's important, um, the reality of the verbal, but also of the living it out. I want to say, too, that um, at this point, uh, not, not only, you know, we're involved in missions and church planting. That's what I'm about. God has called me to help plant churches in other countries. In Puerto Rico, in Cuba, we've, we've done that in Puerto Rico uh, I'll tell you a little bit more and, and who's involved in, in this thing. Um, but that's what, we're, that's what we're about. And I, I'm involved, I've been involved for many years in ministering in, in ways of, you know, giving food to the hungry, of uh, building. I, I went to Mexico one time. And we, all we were supposed to do was go build a house, a little house, for a lady, uh, a family of, of five that lived on the bottom of a hill, and every time it rained, her, her hut that was made of cardboard would get wet. And so the, the, the thought was, if we build her a house that has a 10 by foot 10 house, imagine, it's really more like a room, right? You and I would call that a storage closet, 10 by 10. Well, that was gonna be her house. We were gonna build her a 10 by 10 uh, concrete foundation, and then put up some corrugated uh, sides and a corrugated roof, and that was going to be her house, so that when it rained, she wouldn't have to have her whole house not only flooded, but also the sides of her walls, which were made of uh, cardboard, they wouldn't get wet. And so we, we did that. In the name of Jesus, we did that. Uh, you know those Kibler 
uh, cookie boxes, Kibler boxes, that the, the, the Kibler, right? Kibler crackers, they have crackers. They're, they're made of, well, that was her stove. She would throw in chunks of uh, uh, wood and so forth, create a little fire, and then put something on top so that she could put her tortillas, and then she could flip the tortillas and cook. That was her stove. And so when I would, uh, I would look at that, I, I would be like, uh, you know, you don't want to like gawk or anything, you know, or look like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. But at the same time, you, you were moved, you know, I was, I was moved by that, you know. And so, and this is the way that this lady cooks. And so you better believe that I was highly motivated with the two people that I, that I took with me and my friend Fred, Fred Cullum, that was very Mazatlan. Uh, so we built this, this little house for her, um, and uh, she had been, she was part of his congregation. And so, um, and that is the way that some people live, and after she finished cooking her tortillas and, and a little bit of some either meat or, or something that she could put inside those tortillas to feed her children, they would give thanks to God. And this family had, uh, was, was part of the church, and they were grateful for what God was doing. And, um, and that's great. But, I, but the Lord told me, those things are important for you to do, but I tell you what, if you get involved in helping to plant churches, then the work that you do would be multiplied exponentially. Because then as churches arise in different places, then, then the word will go out more People would be ministered in a greater way, and then that work would just be, and I uh, uh, believe with all my heart that the church is the hope for the world. There are a lot of people that are down on the church these days, and we don't need the church, and we could just be home and worshiping God, and, and we'll just let the, fam the family should just be responsible. Yes, the family should be responsible for the Christian growth. You know what? The reality is, is that you are responsible for your Christian growth, not him. You are responsible to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. His commitment to you is, I'm going to walk alongside of you, and I'm going to help you in your walk with Christ. But if you're not growing in Christ, it's not his fault. See, this is the, the so just think about that. And I say that kind of strongly, I, I, I know that, but I was 28 years a pastor of a church. And, and the Lord finally got that through to me that people are responsible for their own Christian walk, for their own uh, walk. And, and my responsibility is to come alongside of them and to help them in that process. And if I don't, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, um, if you don't look at it that way, you're going to think that when people grow in the Lord and grow in stature, that you're the man. And look at what I Look at what I have done. Say, and na 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 na. I'm the one who's doing that. Say, so you just come alongside. And so that's what we're about. Uh, we're about helping with uh, developing church plants. And so the vineyard has a model of going to a country. We look for a man or woman of peace. We connect with them and we help them to start a church planting effort. Um, and so, uh, why do we go? Well, we go to be representatives of Jesus Christ. Not necessarily of the vineyard. Although we are vineyard people. So we have certain vineyard practices and, and vineyard way of doing things. We have certain vineyard values. For example, one of the big values that the vineyard has that is not shared by a lot of churches. When I go out in the field and I, and I talk to other pastors is that everyone can play. That's a vineyard value. See, the leaders of the vineyard, uh, John Wimber, who's the one that led this whole thing originally, he, what he did is he took the ministry off the stage. He took it from the stage and boom, brought it out here to you. And so the people who are going to pray for healing is going to be whom? You guys. The people that are going to cast out demons are going to be whom? You guys, the people that are going to minister to the sick and heal the sick, it's you guys. This is the ministry team. You're the ministry team. 
So when he says on Sunday, well, come on up if you want prayer. There's a ministry team of people that are going to pray. Yes, some of us have, uh, you know, we're dedicated to praying for people and ministering, and we will pray for you. But ultimately, the ministry is you all, because as you walk out through those doors and you go, the ministry team is leaving the church and going out to do what God wants us to do. Does that make sense? Is that scary? <laughs> that's, that's powerful, man. We got a huge ministry team. This is a ministry team right here. Now, I want to say before I go on is that I want to acknowledge that there are others here that are not, not per se involved with church planting the way that I'm talking about, but what they do is just as important because it's all kingdom stuff. And, and I think of my brother, uh, John and Ariana, who are involved. They've been involved with Wycliffe, right? With Wycliffe helping to translate the, Bi the Bible into native languages. Because the uh, faith comes from hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. And so they understand. They believe that scripture that says, if people could just read the scriptures in their own language, it'll be so much better, so impactful for them. And that's what they dedicated themselves to do. There are other people that I know that go to other countries to dig wells. That's all they do. They just go and they teach people, let me help you, we're going to dig a well. Why dig a well? So you can get fresh water so your kids won't die of the various illnesses that are rampant because the water that they drink is from polluted waters. If you can just have access to clean water, then your kids will live and you'll be better off. And so they're, they're involved with that. So I understand that there are other aspects of kingdom work that's out there that's important. So I just want to thank God for you guys and for those others that are involved. Um, I know that uh, I've known of people that go and build orphanages. Uh, and by the way, guys, make sure you eat, you buy all of the, the cookies. Don't let them take anything home. You know, just support the cause. They're going to do... Christian mission, where Jesus is what? He's the reason and the power of their mission, their mission and endeavor. So, so why do we go? You know, we, we go to proclaim the, the, the gospel um, or proclaim the good news. But I want to say, too, is that um, we, we don't, when we go to do Christian mission, this is my, what the Lord has shown me over the years is I don't necessarily go to bring the kingdom in the way that, ta -da, I'm the Savior, I have brought the kingdom now to, to you all, you know, to the people here, and so aren't you glad, <laughs> kind of a thing. And, and the Lord showed me, don't do that. You know, and not that I was going to, but he just said, and, and people have done that, by the way. They, they will communicate that to local people. I have come to bring the kingdom and to, uh, because the kingdom is not here at all. Because if I'm saying I'm going to come to bring the kingdom to your house, the, the, the kingdom is not there. The Lord is not present. See? And so what the Lord um, showed me some years ago is that I'm already working there. Your job, Ray, is to find out what it is that I'm doing and connect with what I'm doing in that particular place. See? So I go to Cuba with that understanding that the kingdom is already there. It's an atheistic country, avowed atheists, and uh, if they're going to accept one religion, if they're going to do that, and it's not called the state religion, but if they, the closest they will get to accepting a state religion is Santaneria, is spiritism. And the reason is that they will say, that Santaneria is a cultural expression of the Cuban people. Ergo, what is cultural to the Cuban people is okay. Okay? So basically, the people that are involved in that, Santaneria, um, are, could pretty much almost do whatever they want without, with impunity. No problem. So right outside the, the, the doors, the doorway of the church, in Alamar, where I was, there's a ceiba tree. I don't know what you call it in English, ceiba, but in Spanish, it's a ceiba. It's a big tree. 
It's, it's dark wood, and uh, I know in Puerto Rico it's protected, uh, but it's, it's a very strong wood. Anyway, it's, I guess in the Caribbean, it's more popular there. But in the Seba tree, it's right across the doors. So let's say that, you know, where you park the cars, actually you walk out this way. So the, the parking lot is there. So from the edge there of the, the church uh, facility to the parking, let's say if you go back a, another 20 feet, it's across the street where there's a saber tree that's facing the doorway of the church. And I have seen uh, sacrificial stuff there. And, and um, of course, we don't touch it. <laughs> I don't want to touch any of that stuff. But they just do stuff like that. They just put stuff right in front of the church. So imagine you guys walk out the church, uh, outside the church doors, and there's a tree that's got a bunch of sacrificial stuff, maybe a dead chicken or different things there. And, and it's like, what are you, you going to do? This is what we do know, that the one who's in us is greater than the one that's in the world. So we, no sweat. We walk out, we just go home, do our thing. They want to do that. They have the ability to do it, to do that, the permission to do that. It's no problem. Uh, because we know that our God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he's going to do work in spite of whatever curse that they may want to put on the believers or anything like this. Does that make sense? You better have that kind of theology. Because if you don't have that kind of understanding... You're going to get swallowed up. I'm telling you, you're going to get swallowed up with fear and trepidation, and you won't want to do anything because of the fear. And the enemy, well, if he can't stop you personally, then he'll put little things that cause fear inside your soul. And you know how it goes. When you're afraid of something, even though you have, like, the freedom to do it, but if you're afraid, you don't have the freedom, do you? Because it'll stop you from doing what God wants you to do. So, um, so how do we go? Simple, man. This is in the power of the Spirit. That's the only way we can go, right? It's it's not because of all of like Paul said. Not because of eloquent eloquent words. It's not because of all the things that that we can convince people, but it's by the, the power of the Spirit with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's, that's how we do it. When I take teams to Puerto Rico, um, people, they don't know the language. They, many people don't know the culture. They don't know anything about Puerto Rico, only a few things that they've heard. Maybe they've met a Puerto Rican here or there. Uh, maybe they've had the, the, the joy of eating some Puerto Rican cuisine, which really is a joy. It just, I'm Puerto Rican, and I'm still, enjoy, <laughs> joyous. So when, when I come back from a trip, my wife asks me, so Ray, what do you want to eat? Oh, I want you to make this and that. She goes, you just had that in Puerto Rico for seven days. I said, so what? <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, but we go in the power of the Spirit of God. There's so much darkness, you know, where we, there's so, but at the same time, let me just, Flip the thing. There's a lot of darkness here where we live, too. There's a lot of unbelief here where we live. Isn't there? A lot of unbelief. At one time, I read that uh, some, a number of years ago when I was a student at Moody, that Germany had the most practicing spiritists in Europe, and maybe even in the world. I don't know if in the world, but at least in the Western world. Germany. There's just a lot of darkness. But there's light. We have the light of Jesus that's within us. And so we get together with, as believers and let that light shine tremendously. Um, how do we go? We go as a Barnabas. We go as a Barnabas. We come, what does a Barnabas do? Comes alongside of somebody and they said, I'm, I'm here to walk with you. Barnabas walked alongside of Paul. And he I just read the book of Acts, the kinds of stuff that Barnabas did. I, I was at um, a church, and um, I asked the pastor to pray for me. I like to get prayer when, when I can. I, I think it's a good practice to get prayer, um, even if I'm the speaker, whatever. I just, I just like it, you know. 
I think it's good, you know. And so I asked the pastor after everything was done, hey, can you pray for me? And, and um, everyone was still out there, people praying for each other. And, uh, and I'll show you the picture of the, the church that I visited. And said, okay, come on, let's go into this room here. So I went into the room with Carlos, one of the guys on the team. And so he said, well, what do you do? I said, well, uh, this is what I do. And I told him about some of the stuff that I'm sharing with you. And then he said, oh, so you're an apostle. And I said, well, no, I don't call myself an apostle. Let's say I might do, I might do apostolic things, but I, I don't call myself an apostle. An apostle. And re really, I'm more of a Barnabas kind of person. I want to go alongside someone, find a man or woman of peace, go alongside of them, and then just help them to do what it is that God wants to do in their context. Okay? So that, that's how we go. Um, and so we found this couple, and uh, uh, if you could start putting up now the, the, the first slide. Um, so I'm on the plane uh, with, um, uh, oops, let me go back. So the, the couple, some of you have met them, uh, Andy has and Rick. This is Marvin and Carmen Suarez. They're the, the, lead, the main pastors, well, the pastors of the, of the first vineyard in Puerto Rico. And so at this point, they would also be considered the area leaders for Puerto Rico. They're the people that I mostly work with. Um, and so I invited them to go, particularly her, um, because she, she's really good with children's ministry, dynamic. They have a dynamic children's ministry. I mean, it is, it rocks. And so, um, uh, and I thought that in Cuba, maybe in the future, they could have someone share with them about children's ministry. And um, so I invited her and then two other people, and I'll show the, the two other people later. Uh, I told you about a man or woman of peace, second slide. Uh, these are uh, pastors Camilo and Jose. Uh, I know Jose, but he called, they call him Jose. I, I don't know why, but that's what it is, Jose. Um, and so they, they pastor, he, Camilo pastors, uh, he and his wife, Sheila, uh, they pastor a, a church in Alamar. Uh, this is the church that was started by the Conesas that I, that I was sharing. This is another couple that I had met. In, um, in the Chicago area at a conference, and they now live in Houston, but uh, the, the place where they started the church. But by the way, again, let, so let me help you to think through this in, in terms of your imagining. Imagine that you started a church in your house, okay? So don't think of church buildings like this. Think house, all right? All the churches that I visited, with the exception, well, well with exception of one, um, where it started out as a house, okay? And so what they'll do is they'll just invite people, they take everything out from the living room, and that becomes the worship center, okay? So that's where they, uh, they meet in a house in Alamar. The next one, uh, so we get, to, um, we get to Cuba, and uh, great, we get to Cuba, and we decide that we're going to visit a church uh, we have been asked to visit uh, some churches in the center of the island uh, in a city called Ciego de Avila, which is about six-hour drive. And the, the person in the middle, the shorter gentleman next to me, his name is Pastor uh, Roberto Herrera. He's the president of the, the group of churches in central Cuba for the Assemblies of God. And he's got like, they've got like 25 churches that are, that are there. And so he's come to the United States, and uh, I, met I met him when he came uh, a couple years ago, um, and we just started to make a connection. There's a person that I know that got uh, uh, very much involved in helping them with what they were doing in their city, and so I said, well, let's go. So we met this brother, the one next to him, I, I don't remember his name, um, some friends of mine were calling him the Russian pastor. Uh, because he was tall and very light-skinned. And so sometimes you'll see Russians there in Cuba because Russians were in Cuba and have been in Cuba for a long time. Uh, in fact, the place we stayed in was, is called the House of the Russians. Uh, but that's how many Russians stayed in our, in our house. I kind of was tempted to look for bugs or listening devices, but I said, eh, 
the heck with it, you know. Uh, maybe I watch too much TV or something, I don't know. Um, but they have uh, in there, uh, this was a house, believe it or not. You don't, you don't see the whole thing, but you can see the stage, the steps, the steps going up to the stage. But this started out as a house that was little by little converted, and the living room was converted. Sometimes they tear down walls. And by law, as long as you don't build a churchy structure like this, you could do whatever you want to your house. And so they can do that. However, if they don't like, if they don't feel like tolerating your, your house church, then they could just bring a bulldozer down and just bulldoze your whole house. And they have bulldozed a thousand church homes at, at, at will. A thousand church homes. But until they come, people just start building. And by faith, they just start doing it and ministering the, the, the love of Christ to the community. And they just go forward. So um, the next one. Uh, now, Roberto took a large house. And this is what became of a large house where they literally replaced the outside walls with concrete. They started building on top to the, the second floor of this large house. And so I, don't ha I have pictures, but I just don't have the time to show everything. But it's a huge in fact, this building is so like, like imposing in, the, in their city that the government came and considered taking the building for the local commandant, for the local Communist Party commandant, because they liked it so much. And, and, then, they and then they left, and they haven't heard from them again. So, you know, you guys have heard of eminent domain? where the government can say, oh, we think we need your house because you're right in front of the expressway and we need that, that spot right there to continue the expressway to keep going, right? So they do that. They, but they have to pay you some good money, right? Then some people hold out and they make some decent money from this eminent domain. Over there, that's not the case. The government says, we need your house, we need your house. So we'll give you some other little place over here maybe that you could go live. So and the, all the way on top, uh, all the way to the right, you see that there's a, there's a tower that's called their prayer room. And that, that tower or that prayer room overlook, overlooks the city. And it's amazing. So this is the, the church where Pastor Herrera, that's the main church for Ciego de Avila and the whole community. Um, and uh, I wish I could show you other pictures, but their kitchen, they, they, they have an oven like this big because they cook for people every day. And they have an oven like this that, that uh, the way to uh, what they use is wood. They're wood-burning stoves for the oven and the stove, and they use wood uh, to, to do that. Um, anyway, I, if you want more stuff, I can show you more or talk to you about it more. But this is, uh, so the pastor said, okay, let's go. We're going to plant a church. Uh, well, today is going to be the first service. Because you guys are here, we decided to, that, to make today their first service because you're here. And I said, wow, that's, that's what an honor that you, you would launch a church, start a mission because we're, we're present. That's pretty cool. Oh, by the way, and I want you to officiate. Uh, th this, is, uh, this is that morning, Wednesday morning. Uh, okay. Now, mind you, this is an Assembly of God denomination. And we're a vineyard people, and they don't, you know, I mean, we've gotten to know them. There's some relationship and respect and love, but we're not assemblies of God, you know. So, but, so he told me, so I said, okay, well, I'll officiate, you know. Uh, okay, Lord, what, <laughs> now what? Uh, I hadn't, you know, uh, anyway, but the Lord worked it out. So I show you this picture because, do, do you see around the edges, that's, that, that's a window, that lacks a window. At the moment, that's all that is is a hole in the wall. And all of the windows, all they were, were holes in the wall. So those of you that have done any kind of construction and put in windows, you know, that's how you start, right? You make a hole, make sure you make a hole in the wall, you take your measurements, and then you, you put in your window. They didn't even have any windows. 
no windows. Let me show you their, their kitchen. Uh, that's their, the kitchen in the backyard. That's the kitchen. And uh, the fuel that they use is wood. So uh, what did we have last week? Uh, dinner on the grounds. Okay, well, that was, that was dinner on the grounds. That was their, their and, and that thing, that big caldero, we call it a caldero, that had, uh, I think they call it caldoso. Caldoso, it's kind of like a, a quasi soup with vegetables and maybe a little meat, but mostly vegetables. And so that's what they were going to give to people after the church service was, was over. Because, uh, you know, we're Christians, right? There's food, there's got to be food, right? Okay, so that's the pastor of that, of that church who was, uh, we, we prayed over him and his wife and daughter. Um, I'm going to speed up a little bit more. That Wednesday night, we went to the services of Roberta Herrera's daughter, Yannette. She's in the, in the orange, and her husband, Osiel, who's in the blue. And so these are called mission churches. And uh, by the way, in the afternoon, the, the, uh, the pastor Herrera said, we'll give you 10 churches. What? <laughs> Yeah, we'll just give you 10 mission churches right off the bat. And, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, we, we don't work that way. This is, you know, we're, we're um, I didn't come prepared for this, and we're not, that, that's not, our, our goal is not to go to another country and take churches from a denomination so we could start our own. That's not what we want to do. We don't want to be known as a, that kind of a group, because there are groups of people that do that. They go to another country, and then they gather little churches from different denominations, and they start their own denomination, right? Imagine, it's, it's like if we said, we want to grow this church, right? We want to grow, we want to grow. Okay, what other churches around here that we can go and ask their members to come and join us? We would say, ooh, no way. We don't want to grow this church with members from other churches. I mean, if people come, praise God. We love you, we welcome you, you know? But that's not like intentionally, that's not our strategy, uh, we want to win people to Christ and, and get them discipled and baptized, and, and right? That, that, that's what we desire to do. Um, but anyway, so they, they're very gracious, so that's the team with them. Um, so now we go back to Alamad, take a six-hour drive, and, and uh, this is a Thursday evening service. Um, and uh, Camilo's wife is in the bottom there with the purple top, uh, black hair, and um, uh, very, uh, you'll see there are a lot of young, young adults, a lot of young people in this church. A lot of the people that are coming to Christ in Cuba are young people. In our country, we kind of have the reverse, uh, where a lot of young people don't want to have anything to do with the church, and we've lost a lot of college-age young people when they, particularly when they go to college and so forth, that they don't want to have much to do with the church. Over there is, is the opposite. It's the young people, young adults, who are saying, we want something more out of life. And what, we, what our parents have to offer through their non-faith is not working. It's not doing it. Um, the, the lady in the middle there, Sari, with the short hair, maroon dress, she goes, she actually is not a vineyard person. I invited her partly because the Lord led me to invite her, but uh, I've known her for 35 years, and she's part of a church that's affiliated with Willow Creek Community Church. Some of you have heard of Willow Creek Community Church uh, outside of Chicago, but uh, she's very much interested. She's Cuban also. She was born in Guantanamo, and uh, so we'll, we'll see what the Lord does with that. Let's see if the, uh, we're looking for partners to do the work of the Lord. You know, uh, so here I am, um, and then th they have a um, they have a, 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 a practice in their church where during the the whole service there's worship going on. I've never heard this in in all the churches that I've visited, and I have visited a lot of churches, but their theology is uh, taken from an Old Testament passage uh, where. Um, um, King Jehoshaphat from Judah went up to the Israel and said, hey, should 
uh, we, we need to ask a prophet to see if we should go to war against Syria. Uh, if you've been reading the papers recent or, or maybe online, uh, that maybe Israel may be going to war against Syria. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Well, this is like nothing new, is, right? This is, so we go back thousands of years, and so they're asking the question, oh, well, let's bring in a prophet. Uh, so they call in Elisha. He comes in, and Elisha says, wait a minute, we, to, to hear the Lord, bring in some worship leaders. Uh, the, unfortunately, the English translation doesn't translate the Hebrew word well. It just translated as musicians. Second, Tim, Second Kings 3.15, and he says, bring in the musicians. The real word in Hebrew is bring in the worship leaders. So they bring in this worship leader, and he's uh, uh, worshiping the Lord. In the context of that worship, then the word of the Lord comes and speaks to Elisha, and then he gives it to the king. Um, and so that's what this church believes, that throughout the whole service, to determine what God wants to do, the message that's going to be preached, the sharing, the music, everything that's going to the ministry time has to be done in the context of a whole worship time. So during the whole time, from beginning to end, almost three hours, there's worship going on. And I thought, wow, what a paradigm shift for our churches if, if we were to do stuff like that. But anyway, that's how they do it. Uh, but while I was speaking, I, after a while, you can't even hear the, the, the worship. You just get zoned in what you're trying to do, but it's there. This young man is 19 years old. He's one of those worship leaders. Uh, he just got married. He's going to move to Peru. And, and what is he going to do? Start a church. Uh, the Lord already provided for them to live in a three-story building. And they, they're going to have the first floor for their church, for their, their, their worship center. That's what's going to happen. That's what we want to support. You see? See what God is doing? And so let's go and support what God is doing with people like this and to develop uh, churches where, where the Lord calls it. There's another young man. Um, <laughs> he's got the Miami hat on. Um, but he's a rapper. This dude, I mean, he rapped for like 20 minutes, man. He would rap, and then, and then somebody else might sing a little bit or might say something, or, and then he'd go, boom, rap again. And, and this is extemporaneous stuff. This is, he just comes up with it as, as, uh, as it's going on. You know, I, I mean, as the Lord leads him, and he'll just go through it. And I, and I, so what I did is I uh, recorded it, and it lasted 20 minutes. And it was like, whoa, that's, that's awesome. The lady in the background is Jose's wife, Amy. They, they call her Aime over there. So we went to this other church. This is the other group that I talked about on Sunday afternoon where they, the, the pastor prayed for him. And again, this is an apartment. What they have decided to do is they're going to sell this apartment because God has told them to buy another piece of property, build another house or apartment for him, and he lives with his mother, and build a, an apartment. And then next to the apartment is going to be their living room. Uh, they will use the money from this sale to build this new apartment, and then as the church gives, they will build the living room into the church. So that's already, uh, they've already started doing that. So we go to Havana on Monday. Um, we were in a suburb of Havana. This is a typical street. Uh, they actually close the street as a, more of the, so, so people could walk back and forth. Um, this is our team. Uh, Marvin and Carmen, and then Sadi, and then my friend Carlos, who was also part of the team. Now, this pastor, we went to visit this other pastor, and uh, his name is Cesar, and uh, he's in Havana, in, near downtown, and his focus is on entrepreneurs. Now, entrepreneurs are people that, that are starting businesses, right, or want to start a business. How many of you have, have a little cottage industry on the side or a little business on the side. Anybody here? You do? One person? One person. Okay. In Cuba, for you to, uh, to make it, so to speak, you've got to have some other source of income because 
Um, is there a doctor in the house? Any doctors here? Any, any doctors? I know we have some nurses, right? So, okay, so nurses, uh, imagine that the doctors, now doctors make more than you do, right? Can I say that? Most, most doctors make more than most nurses? Am I, I don't want to say anything that because I'm not in that field, right? Okay, well, a typical doctor makes $20 a month. $20 a month, okay? So guess what? You need some other source of income just, just to make it. So Cesar is an entrepreneur. And so what he'll do is he'll go to Panama or some other country, buy clothes, bring it back to Cuba, and then distribute it. Now they have opened up the, the business end of the country so that now he can legally bring in uh, products, uh, clothes, and then distribute it to other entrepreneurs. So, so maybe, uh, you know, 10 dozen for you, 10 dozen for you, 10 dozen, 10 dozen, and then that's how he'll do it. He'll distribute it. But what he does is that he gathers entrepreneurs, and that's his church. His church is made up of basically entrepreneurs, where they teach them about kingdom economy, kingdom economics. What's kingdom economics? Well, one of the stated goals is, well, we want to make money so we can help ministries. We can help church planters. That's why we want to make money. That's a little different than oftentimes what you hear. Most of people would say, well, I want to make some money because I want that better car. Or because we live in a, in a place where there's so many lakes and rivers, well, we want a boat. We want to get ourselves some kind of boat or something, you know? And that's not a bad thing, but in, in their case here, they're, they're saying, uh, they're not talking about things to get more wealth. That how can we support the church? How can we support what God wants to do in, in the Christian ministry? And so that's what, in fact, they were talking about gathering together and starting a restaurant so that they can, they can employ more people, issues of economics, issues of employment, uh, and at the same time, help people and then gather some more funds to do what? Help the church, grow the church, gather the church, see? And so, so business people in this church, they are the people. They are the people that basically uh, make up the church. Uh, so I thought that was um, pretty unique because one of the things for me on a personal level, I used to own a couple businesses, so I have a, like, like a, a part in my heart for business people uh, also. Um, and so that's a potential church that we may help. See? Uh, this is just one room in their apartment. Every, remember, everything happens in apartments. So this is one of the rooms in the apartment where he's got tons and tons of clothes that that's his distribution point where he will get that out to people. Another way that churches um, support the ministry is they will have hogs, pigs, on the, on the land to raise the pigs to sell them for the support of the church. So imagine, Andy, if in the back here we had a bunch of pig, uh, what do they call them? I, I want to say kennels, but those are for dogs, right? Pens, there you go. I knew there was another word. So, because I, I called it kennel, I, I think I, I put it up there, and, and I knew that was wrong, but I figured I'll fix it later. Uh, that's what I do a lot. I'll say something, then I'll fix it later. Drives my wife's nuts, but hey, you know, pray for her. I, I hope you do. Uh, she's begging you, please pray for me. Um, so the key is, for me, when I saw this, and, and the, the guy who had a lot of these pigs was the, remember the Russian pastor? Well, <laughs> you walk out the door, man, and right in within the same, like, courtyard, right there, a whole bunch of pigs. And I said, man, where's the wind blowing? That, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, I don't know if it's, I'm not really carnal or something. I'm just, you know, uh, uh, whatever. But I, I was just thinking, man, I hope the wind blows that way to get that, uh, you know. So where we live, for example, I, in Winter Haven, right across the street are cows. 
And thank you, Jesus, that the wind blows that way. And so it takes that, that aroma, that fragrance to the cows. Get, you know, it goes that way. I live right here. So thank you, Jesus, uh, for that. But I wanted to show you that because, the, again, the paradigm, the way that people live out life is going to be different than, than uh, and you just have to go with it. You know, you have to, and you respect it. So the last church that we visited was um, a church in, um, another church in Havana, and this is the Pentecostal Church of Cuba that uh, our, my friend Abdi Selas from Miami, well, now he's in Doral, but uh, they do work with them. And so we'd say, well, let's go visit them. You know, we'll try to visit as many of the church leaders. And, um, and so this is he and his wife and some of the, uh, some of the church members that are part of the ministry there. And then they serenaded us, how sweet. Uh, and uh, so I thought that was nice. I put Pastor Osmani and a sister, and I thought, that's not his sister, that's his wife. I better say that in case anybody's wondering, because remember the, in the previous photo, he had his arm over the sister? <laughs> and then on this one, it's like, you know, no, that's his wife. So just to clarify that in case the word gets back to Osmani, wait a minute, you call my wife my sister. Um, let me tell you the, the one picture that really caught my heart, the, the, the one moment that really encapsulizes for me. Uh, this lady, she's part of Cesar's church. She's one of these entrepreneurs. And her t-shirt says, um, Dios si existe. Yes, God exists. She is wearing this t-shirt in a communist, atheistic, Santaneria, spiritist, oriented country and I thought this is one of the bravest women I have ever met you are awesome I don't even know her name I didn't even get a chance to talk to her I just lay hands on her to bless her but just the fact that she would openly say yes God exists which you know is going to invite either mockery or questions or conversation, but she was able to do that. And so I just wanted to, to say to you all, um, can we pray maybe for that kind of um, strength, that, that kind of um, uh, courage to be a Christian in our context? Not to be churchy, self-righteous kind of people that everybody hates, including you and I. Not that we hate them, but you know what I mean. You know, we don't like that style, right? But that we could be the kind of people that are willing to, when we have to take a stand for Jesus, you know, that we're able to do it, whether people are looking or not. That we're able to declare some good news to a, to a hurting coworker. Or, or someone at school, or someone in, in our family, and, and just to be able to say, you know what, man, Jesus, he's going to make a difference in your life. Can I pray with you? Would you like to talk about, would you like to discover maybe, and I could help you discover the Jesus that I've gotten to meet that has saved my life? Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're not so much ambassadors for the vineyard but we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ wherever we are. How does that sound to you? Can we be like this lady and say, you know what? Just humbling herself before the Lord, worshiping God, receiving prayer from a stranger because she wants to not only have this little job, you know, this business that she wants to start, but she wants to represent Jesus wherever she is. And, and she wants to give her job, I mean her business, unto the Lord and say, God, will you do, do with my business what it is you want to do, and to you be the glory. Amen? Amen. Um, I don't normally do this, but can I take a couple questions in case somebody has real quick, Jessica, and then we'll wrap it up. Are there any questions that you might have that, that you say, man, I wish I could ask this and might be helpful?
for anything. Okay. Well, thank you for the time.